Uh, this morning, uh, we are starting a new series that we're going to do throughout Lent. We're calling it Renovation. Uh, the idea that, uh, you know, when something is beginning to get broke down, when it, when it's not working right, a, a lot of like, uh, the, the facilities out at Light on the Hill at Mount Wesley, as we, as we took over that after years of, uh, deferred maintenance or no maintenance at all, uh, just all that has to be redone in, in order to make it usable again. And so we're going to use renovation as a metaphor for what we're talking about during Lent and and uh, in writing and Christian writing, this is actually a, a pretty popular theme. The idea of remaking ourselves or allowing, better yet, that allowing the Lord to remake us. Uh, that instead of just adding on top of bad con- uh, bad construction to begin with, that we we start over. That we allow the Lord to, to build in us a, a faith that comes from Him. Not based on mythology, not based on what, what Grandmama told me, and, and uh, not based on the way we always used to do it, but based on the Word of Jesus Christ and who He is and who He calls us to be. I don't know if you've ever done a renovation in your home. It's a good way to get a divorce. Uh, if you want to, right? Uh, once, once, uh, uh, Lori and I have built two houses, uh, in, in our life and, uh, we never want to move again. Uh, we're still married, but there's times when that is a very hard thing to do when you're, when you're trying to decide what needs to happen, where it needs to happen. Uh, and a renovation is even worse because you have, you are displaced from your living quarters in order to to address this need and i want to i want to uh, suggest to you that over the next weeks if we do our job right you may feel displaced and uncomfortable at times and that's that's on purpose because if if we just assume that we have a perfect knowledge of god and our life is perfectly aligned with him well uh we are to be pitied because none of us are perfect in our understanding of him. I don't care how long you've been in the faith. I don't care how much Bible study you you do, how much reading you do, how long you spend in devotion, how much money you give to others, how much you serve throughout the week. We still need more Jesus in us. And so we're going to talk about how can we renovate our lives in a way uh, in a way that honors who he is and who he's calling us to be and the first step of renovation i think is getting fed up with what exists and just getting fed up with it um out at light on the hill uh we recently just re-poured sidewalks and I don't know if, how many times Beth tripped on some of those or other other volunteers tripped on those. It, plus, it's just bad to look at. It looks like we don't care out there. Uh, it, another, uh, like when the heater doesn't work in here, there's a dis you're not happy, right? And so we have to do service to make sure that we, uh, in the last year, we would replace both of our units. That's where your tithe dollars are going to. Thank you very much. Uh, right? That, but in that, there's this, there's this disruption that happens. But 
But in order to spend that money, in order to be willing to, to take on this big project, there's, a, there's an amount of getting fed up with it. And that's where we want to start this morning. I want, to, I want to talk about getting fed up, about getting to the place where you might be so tired of who you have been and what's been going on in your life and the lack of energy and the lack of joy and the lack of love that you might be willing to to open up from the bottom. If you if you uh, go to addiction programs, one of the first things is admitting you have a problem, right? You can't begin to heal until you're willing to admit that you have a problem. It's one of the reasons that in those in AA and stuff you introduce yourself and you know, I'm David and I'm an alcoholic. You're from the beginning naming the problem. Um, we might start that practice as you walk in on Sunday. Um, as the Leslie's are opening the door for you, they'll just listen to your confessions as you walk in. Hi, I'm Jim, and I'm uh, I'm a jerk. But um, anyway, we're going to be in Psalm 69. Psalm 69, and in the title of this, it says, "For the choir director, this is a psalm of David to be sung to the tune of lilies." You all know that song, so let's sing together. Save me, no. So here is, here is the text. Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I am in deep water. And the floods overwhelm me. I'm exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. Those who hate me without cause outnumber the hairs on my head. Many enemies try to destroy me with lies, demanding that I give back what I didn't steal. Oh God, you know how foolish I am. My sins cannot be hidden from you. Don't let those who trust in you be ashamed because of me. O sovereign Lord of heaven's armies, don't let me cause them to be humiliated, O God of Israel, for I endure insults for your sake. Humiliation is written all over my faith. Even my own brothers pretend they don't know me. They treat me like a stranger. Passion for your house has consumed me, and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. When I weep and fast, they scoff at me. When I dress in burlap to show sorrow, they make fun of me. I am the favorite topic of town gossip and all the drunks sing about me. But I keep praying to you, Lord, hoping this time you will show me favor. In your unfailing love, O God, answer my prayer with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Save me from those who hate me and pull me from these deep waters. Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the deep waters swallow me or the pit of death devour me. Answer my prayers, O Lord, for your unfailing love is wonderful. Take care of me, for your your mercy is so plentiful. Don't hide from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in deep trouble. Come and redeem me. Free me from my enemies. You know of my shame, scorn, in disgrace, you see all that my enemies are doing. Their insults have broken my heart, and I am in despair. If only one person would show some pity, 
If only one would turn and comfort me, but instead they give me poison for food. They offer me sour wine for my thirst. Let the bountiful table set up before them become a snare and their prosperity become a trap. Let their eyes go blind so that they cannot see and make their bodies shake continually. Pour out your fury on them. Consume them with your burning anger. Let their homes become desolate and their tents be deserted. To the one you have punished, they add insult to inner injury. They add the pain of those you have hurt. Pile their sins up high and don't let them go free. Erase their names from the book of life. Don't let them be counted among the righteous. I'm suffering and in pain. Rescue me, O God, by your saving power. Then I will praise God's name with singing and I will honor him with thanksgiving for this will please the Lord more than sacrificing cattle, more than presenting a bull with its horns and hooves. The humble will see their God at work and be glad. Let all who seek God's help be encouraged. For the Lord hears the cries of the needy. He does not despise his imprisoned people. Praise him, O heaven and earth, the seas and all that move in them. For God will save Jerusalem and rebuild the towers of Judah. His people will live there and settle in their own land. The descendants of those who obey him will inherit the land. And those who love him will live in safety. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, um, uh, sort of a, a dark psalm by by David. It it uh, it reflects. If you've ever felt overwhelmed, if you've ever been, if you've ever felt cheated or put upon, if you've ever felt like God isn't listening, you're in good company. David, a man after God's own heart, felt that way. If you read the Psalms, you'll find that he felt that way quite a bit. That he often would go to God asking, where are you? Before I get into more of the the text, I I also want to point out that this is considered one of the messianic Psalms. That you, you can see the prefigurement of Jesus and his role uh, encapsulated within the text here. Uh, someone who is put upon, uh, uh, my eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for God to help me. My enemies try to destroy me. Passion for your house has confused me, and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. When I weep and fast, they scoff at me. When I dress and burlap, they make fun of me. Um, they they give... Uh, you know of my scorn and disgrace. You see all that my enemies are doing. Their insults have broken my heart. Uh, they give me poison for food. They offer me sour wine for my thirst. You can you can hear the prelude of who Jesus is. It's it's one of the ways that God used David to not only address his need, but to give a picture of the one that was going to take our suffering our brokenness, and make it his own. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sort of give you the good news up front. No matter how broken you feel, no matter how fed up you are with your life, God has taken care of it, not by, not by punishing you, but by sending his own son to receive your punishment. 
See, David didn't know it at the time he was writing this, but all that that he was feeling, all that he was, uh, all that he was experiencing of having life overwhelm him, was about to be swallowed up on the cross, and swallowed up in victory over death. Through Jesus, we can be renovated. So this morning, let's let's talk a little bit about being fed up. Save me, oh God, the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper, I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I don't know if you've ever just been in one of those situations where it seems like things are bad and then they just get worse. Right? Uh, it, it, it's, you're, you're already dealing with something. You already feel like you're juggling, uh, more than you can really handle. And at, at that time, uh, whatever reason, you start having other people throw more stuff to you to deal with. And, and you just find yourself, and, and he's using sort of water and, and flood water as a, as an analogy, but, and he can't find a foothold, or, or you can't find peace, or you, you can't just clear the inbox in your email, or you, you can't get your calendar clear, or you, whatever it is. I don't know if you have been there. I have a, I have a sneaky suspicion that all of us can identify with that. But I love what David does. Instead of just holding it in, he takes it to God. One of the things that we hope you you do over Lent is uh, if you haven't already established some sort of devotional time, some t- sort of time of, of prayer and scripture and listening and praying. If if you haven't if you haven't established that, we hope you will establish it. And if you have, we hope that you'll dive in even deeper into this. And it's not a sin to start your day by saying, "Save me, O God." I'm in up to my neck. I, I, I have the microphone, so I get to whine in public, right? So church stuff here is going fairly well right now, but um, I I'm, I've have conference position. Somehow I ended up as board of ordained ministry chair. And uh, in the last couple of weeks, have just had a whole lot dumped in my plate. And stuff that I don't want to deal with and stuff about disaffiliation and stuff about pastoral misconduct and, and all of this stuff. And, and, the, and the hits just keep coming. Every time I open my, my inbox, I'm just, oh, my gosh. Right? And, and, and I, I wish we could. Ju- and I just got back from vacation, so I sort of shuddered myself from it for 10 days. But it, it, it waited for me. Right? You just get fed up. What's going? And, and I don't know what your situation is. It may be a health problem. It may, it may be uh, something going on in your family or a relational thing. It may be your finances. It may be somebody that you're worried about. It may be a career decision. I don't know what it is, but I know that all of us get overwhelmed at times. And and we also have an enemy that's working against us. That when he senses that we're that our foothold is slipping, loves to throw more stuff at us and whisper in our ear, "What made you think you were good enough for that anyway?" But David, 
Instead of just holding on to it, instead of, uh, if you do any kind of psychological reading or, or, or training, uh, it gets toxic when you hold negative stuff in. It, 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 it goes from uh, just affecting you to infecting you. And if you don't deal with it, you, there, we need to get it out on the table. We, we, last week we mentioned the Asbury uh, revival, and, and there's been revivals throughout town, uh, throughout time and stuff. One thing that's common anytime there's a movement of God, the Great Awakening, uh, the many different times that there's confession and prayer are always at the center of God's act. Confession and prayer, just being honest with ourselves. And with him, save me, O oh God. I'm in up my neck. I'm losing, I'm losing traction. I don't want to wake up in the morning. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to have to face that. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for God to help me. See, God doesn't always, God is not Amazon, um, we, it, we've always as a people sort of expected immediate results, but uh, in our culture, it's even worse. I mean, if, if I can't get overnight shipping on Amazon, I feel personally insulted, right? It, it should come and it should be right now. And a lot of times that's what we think with God that, well, he says he loves me and I prayed what he should do. And he's not doing anything. But God has a timing that goes beyond our timing. Your happiness is not God's number one goal. Your salvation is his number one goal. Your rescue, your relationship with him is his number one goal. Happiness isn't on the left. Happiness and joy come out of a relationship founded in him. And you know this from experience. You could get everything you want and still be the most miserable person in the world. Look how many celebrities commit suicide or are, are broken because of, and they have what we would think is everything that you need. Those who hate me without cause outnumber the hairs on my head. Many enemies try to destroy me with lies, demanding that I give back what I didn't steal. And then he moves it from sort of focusing on out there to focusing on what's in here. Verse 5, Oh God, you know how foolish I am. My sins cannot be hidden from you. Don't let those who trust in you be ashamed because of me. You know, it's, it, the first part is, is the easiest of that, right? To identify the problem and talk out a, about who is attacking us. That's the easiest part of it. But he moves beyond just the, the problem out there and owns that part of it is a problem in here. And every one of us have some of that going on. There is brokenness within us. There are agendas and hatred. There are egos and selfishness and self-centeredness that, that dwell in our hearts. And he says, God, you know, you know how stupid I am. 
you know how, how many mistakes I make. I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the cause of, of people not believing in you because of the way I act. Protect me. I'm trying to endure. I have a, I have a passion for your house. I, I've tried to, I've tried to fast. I've tried to worship. I'm, I'm hanging on God. I'm, I'm crying out for you. Verse 13, but I keep praying to you, Lord, hoping this time you will show me favor. In your unfailing love, God, answer my prayer with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Save me from those who hate me. Pull me from these deep waters. Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the deep waters swallow me or the pit of death devour me. I'm praying to you, God, and I'm going to keep praying because of your everlasting love. Because of how who you are and how good you are. No, human action isn't going to save you. A self-help program isn't going to save you. A new job isn't going to save you. A new location isn't going to save you. It, it, one of the principles I've learned in ministry, uh, you know, in the Methodist church, we get moved. So this doesn't happen as much in the Methodist church, but Pastors who leave one church to go to another because there was problems in the old church. And the truth is, you'll have the same problems in the new church. They'll just have a different name, right? They just have different faces. It's, it, it's funny how our problems chase after us and the things we struggle with go with us. It's, it's nothing that we're going to be able to do for ourselves that's going to bring the answer and the newness of life that you're searching for. There's one thing that changes it, and it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. The one who took on our suffering. Here's, here's what I think is great about Jesus. He understands what you're going through because he experienced it. He knows what pain feels like. He knows what grief feels like. He knows what being abandoned feels like. He knows what feeling alone feels like. He knows what being overwhelmed feels like. The difference is he has power to change circumstance. Continue to cry out. Continue to pray. Just because he hasn't answered yet doesn't mean he's not going to answer. And sometimes he's already at work around us. We just aren't paying attention because we have an expectation of what he should be doing instead of, instead of looking for what he chooses to do. Let the bountiful table set before them become a snare. Their posterity become a wrap. Pile their sins up high. Uh, we want victory over our enemies. Whether that's a human being or a situation or an illness, we're looking for victory over them. And victory comes through Jesus. It's going to look different. The Israelites 
the, the, the Jews wanted Jesus to, to defeat the Romans and, and uh, establish a kingdom there and then. The plans of God always look different than the plans of man. God defeated the enemy. It just happened in a different way than what they expected. And he defeated the real enemy, not the, not the momentary enemy of the Roman government, but the real enemy of sin and death he took on and, and conquered. Verse 34, he ends with this. Actually, I'm going to start in 30. I will praise God's name with singing. I will honor him with thanksgiving. For this will please the Lord more than sacrificing cattle, more than presenting a bull with its horns and hooves. The humble will see their God at work and be glad. Let all who seek God's help be encouraged. For the Lord hears the cries of the needy. He does not despise his imprisoned people. Praise him, O heaven and earth, the seas and all that move in them. For God will save Jerusalem and rebuild the towns of Judah. His people will live there and settle in their own land. The descendants of those who obey him will inherit the land, and those who love him will live there in safety. An answer is coming. The Lord does not despise you. He hasn't turned his back on you. He hasn't put you in a file folder and, and, and stuck it away in his desk. He is actively involved in your life. Even right this moment, the Holy Spirit is is present, beckoning you, inviting you, urging you into a deeper relationship. Acknowledging uh, the hurt that you're going through, giving you affirmation that you're not alone, and hopefully hope that He hasn't given up on you. If you're fed up with being fed up, turn to God. Share your heart. Be honest. Understand the thing that needs to change here and make prayer and worship a big part of the renovation process. This is is where it starts. It's just an acknowledgement. Something has to change. Something has to change. We'll get into to building the building the new thing as we go through the weeks, but it starts here. Something has to change. Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, as we come to you this morning, many of us are at the end of our rope. Circumstances surrounding us just seem out of control. And we're worried that it's never going to change. That all of nature is preaching to us. The sun comes up every day. After every period of darkness, it's followed by a day of light. We know you're working. We know you love us. But would you just unsettle us enough that we're willing to pursue you, heart, soul, mind, and strength?
would you allow us to be broken enough that we we quit trying to fix it ourselves and simply rely upon you? Would you take this Lenten season, O oh God? And make us a new creation. And we pray that in the powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ.